0: So wait a minute, so if you're a resident of Texas, they just automatically say, welcome to the great state of Texas, we have a will for you. Right. So why would I wanna get my own will? All right, so on this podcast, we're going to talk to Christy Arlett. We're going to talk about wills. We're talking about real estate. There's a lot of stuff to talk about. So Christy, welcome uh, to our illustrious podcast in this beautiful <laughs> new you. studio.
1: Gorgeous studio. It's <laughs> yeah. great.
0: I wish I could take credit for it. but I wish uh, you could take it home. It is pretty cool to have. It's beautiful. So let, let's talk a little bit about wills. Um, here in Texas, um, why do people need a will?
1: Well, everyone in Texas has a will. A lot of people don't realize that they have a will because the great state of Texas has a will for everyone. However, you have the option to get your own will that specifically does what you want. And you can have your own will or you can let the legislators in Austin give you a will.
0: So wait a minute. So if you're a resident of Texas, they just automatically say, Welcome to the great state of Texas. We have a will for you.
1: Along with other things, that's right, they uh, sure do.
0: I mean, I didn't get that memo when I moved here, but now I know that yes. there's a will. It's automatically put in place by the right. state. Right. So why would I want to get my own will?
1: Well, if you die with a will, you die testate, which means that you have a will and there are your instructions in which you want to have done should be followed and carried out by the courts. If you die without a will, you die intestate the state of Texas has specific rules about what happens to your property and your assets and your family if you die intestate without a will. So you can let the intestate secession laws control what happens to your estate, and I can assure you almost everyone does not want that, (laughs) or you can have your own will, and then you can specifically lay out what you want. You can rule from the grave if you want to.
0: Okay, so now I understand. I was lost for a minute, but now I'm found, right? Yes. So I come here and uh, Texas says, we have a will for you, but I really have no voice in it because I haven't expressed what my wishes are. You have no voice in that will. So it's extremely important for anyone that has any type of asset, whether it's a dollar or multi-millions of dollars in a state with assets, that they have a will.
1: Correct. So how would they go about getting a will? Well, the easiest way to do it is contact an attorney like myself who really specializes in writing wills and handling probate matters, and we sit down and we have a talk. And we have a talk about where you are in life, what you think is your asset, what you think your assets are, what you want to have happen to your assets when you die. And every single person has a different set of facts. Everyone has a different life. Some people are married, some people are not married, some people are divorced, some people are divorced multiple times, some people have no children, some people have a series of children from different uh, other spouses or, or other parents to the children. All of those things play in. Some people have children who have disabilities and then that's another whole set of issues because do you leave money to take care of them, which then excludes them from being able to have all the government benefits that the government will provide if you have a child uh, who has some issues? And these are just all things we sit down and we talk it through. And the interesting thing, I will tell you this. You most tell of it, so, you got, so often, I'm this. like enthralled in this. <laughs> so, so often I have couples come into my office. We sit down and we talk he talks, she talks, he talks, she talks, or he, he, she, she, whatever the combination is. And then they leave. We, we agree on what the wills are gonna say. And then they leave, and about an hour later, I get the phone call. Hey, uh, I don't really want it that way. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have to kind of dance, set dance, and, and figure out what to do. Because everyone's will is their will. Just because you're married, just because you have a partner, uh, just because you may have children together, each person can have their own will. And each will can say something completely different.
0: So I can have a different will than my wife? Absolutely. So, so would a will be just set up for one
1: person for the most part? It's, it's just for one person, the decedent. Okay. The person who passes away. The, the decedent is the person who passes away. And the will has absolutely zero effect in life until you die. A lot of people start talking about their will this or this, will that. The will doesn't become effective until you actually die. And then it takes over and it controls all of your assets.
0: It's basically the end of the chapter and this is the new chapter. The will is the new chapter when you have deceased, when you have passed.
1: So when people come into me and we talk and they think they need a will and they think that's all they need, I always talk to them. There are all these other documents because they're the statutory durable power of attorney, which controls what happens to your assets while you are still alive. You haven't died yet. There is uh, a, a different power of attorney that you can have for people to make medical decisions for you while you're still alive, but you're unable to make your medical decisions. We have a number of documents that I do as a packet. I do the will with these other documents, and in many ways, these documents that are effective while you're alive are really the ones that affect you <laughs> because right. the will doesn't take effect until you've died.
0: Yeah, And last, I don't know anyone that's come back. So well,
1: Elvis might. We, maybe, we don't know yet. Right, or yet. Chris
0: Cornell or some of these <laughs> other uh, famous artists. Uh, but, yeah, for, for me, my thought goes to, okay, these are my wishes when I'm gone. But you're totally right. There's these other documents that are vitally important while you're alive Correct. that I think a lot of people don't, don't think about. My next question is, is, does that all have to be in an estate or is an estate something totally different than a will or do they work together?
1: You're, you, you have different estates. You have the estate while you're living and then you have an estate when you die. Here's an interesting one. A lot of your assets at death can pass not via the will but via other documents that you signed. When you go into the bank and you open up an account. You can open up an account that's called a payable on death, POD, and you can say, when I'm no longer here, the other person on my account can come and get the money, and it's theirs. When you open up a 401k, you fill out a beneficiary form, and that's going to control who's going to get the assets in your 401k.
0: And it's just cut and dry, so someone passes, they can go right into the bank or right to the 401k and withdraw the money.
1: Yes, but they have to get a death certificate. Okay. <laughs> yes, but. <laughs> so. Pretty quickly, pretty quickly. It takes a while. You, they do not issue the death certificates immediately. And if you, we have probate estate. Probate estate is what is going to pass via your will. And to do the probate estate, we have to find the original will. The courts do not like to take Xerox copies. And to get a Xerox copy into the court, you have to prove that the decedent, the person who died, did not destroy the original will. The house burned down. There was a flood. Uh, something happened to the will. So the court then will let you bring in a Xerox copy. But normally they want the original will. Which is interesting too, because <laughs> trying to figure out with our Xerox uh, and copying abilities today, just because we sign everything in blue ink. I always make everyone sign in blue ink. A lot of times you can't tell if that's a Xerox copy. And I have literally been in the courtroom where the judges are holding up the sheets of paper of the will and they've turned them around and they're running their finger on the back of the page to see, to if, see there's if there's, an, there's impression? an impression from the pen when the person was signing it. Wow. And of course, it's interesting because somebody gets their hand on the will and they don't like what it says. What do you think happens to that will?
0: Well, it gets thrown out or it gets oh, destroyed or it never gets, gets changed. It found. And-
1: Okay, It never gets found. Yeah. So we have ways to protect the will, and this is something that a lot of people do not know. A lot of attorneys don't know this. In every courthouse in the state of Texas, they have what is called safekeeping. And you can take the original will in for $5, a one-time charge of $5. They take the will and they fold it up. They put it into a little packet. They seal the, it's a little white packet about this big, and they seal it, and on the outside of the packet, you write the name of the the will, like it's the will of Christine Arlett, deposited on X day, and then I could list on that packet who can come get that will. In other words, nobody's gonna get their hands on that will unless they are listed on that packet. So I tell people, look, for $5, you don't need to keep a lockbox. You don't need to keep a safe. You don't need to worry about where the will is. Take it to your county courthouse. Put it into safekeeping and let it sit there. And then the court is constantly checking to see who dies. They get reports of who has passed away, and they start checking to see whether or not there's a will there from someone who has passed away. So it's like
0: a safe deposit box. It's,
1: for five dollars. For five time.
0: dollars. Right. I and mean, how, how can right. you beat that? You can't. And it's, it's at the court, so there, there's no, no one's going to say, oh, I found this other will. That's the one that's being held at the courthouse.
1: Well, except that there could be a subsequent will. You may write a will, well, lawyers, we write the will of the week because right. we write them all the time. <laughs> right. uh, every time you get mad at somebody, you're like, I'm changing that will. Yeah. Uh, but you may have a will from five years ago or from 10 years ago, the newest will, the most current will, that is found to be a true viable will under the laws of the state of Texas and meets all the requirements of it will be the controlling will. That's the one that the court will actually use.
0: So here's a hypothetical. Okay. Say I have a will and it has been, uh, for $5 it's held at the courthouse, Mm -hmm. and on my dying breath, I tell my best friend next to me, you get my car, you get my house, and I'm gonna high five you there's no way to document that. There's uh,
1: yeah, you better get down to that courthouse to get that will. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> or write a new will. Right. Now you had the chance to write a new will. You can write a new will, and that will supersede the one that you put at the courthouse. And I have been in the hospitals literally, almost at the last moment. Signing those new wills. <laughs> so the bottom
0: line to, to this is have a will.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: Like, I, like it's don't, too easy. Yeah, just have a will. Right. Or right. basically, you're going to let the state control what's going to happen with you and with your stuff.
1: And let's talk about what happens. Let's say you don't have a will, or you don't have a good will, doesn't meet the requirements of law. So you don't have a will that the court can enforce. So what do they do? We head into what is called an airship proceeding, and that's H-E-I-R, like your heirs, airship proceeding. And you wanna spend some money, and you wanna have a real fight, and some real problems, start doing an airship proceeding. Because what you have to do, you have to find a minimum, a minimum of two disinterested witnesses who can tell you things about the decedent. They have to be able to tell the court how many times they were married, how many times they were divorced, what happened to each of the marriages? maybe their spouses passed away. They have to be able to tell how many children they had and which children and roughly the ages. You know, they don't have to have the exact birthday, but they have to be able to identify the children. They have to tell uh, the court whether or not the decedent adopted a child. They have to testify to the court about whether or not the decedent took in a child into their home, they never really adopted them. They never really called them their child. But it was pretty obvious that there was a relationship there. They have to testify to that. Easy enough if you die at age 35 or 40. But let's talk about the people who die at age 80, 85, 90, we have a lot, 90 now. You can't find anybody still alive who can testify to all of that. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's died off. And that is a real serious problem. Airship proceedings are expensive. It is not unusual for them to cost well over $5,000. Sometimes there can be some conflict, and then the amount of cost is uh, unlimited.
0: And that's if somebody does not have a will. You don't have a will. Right. Right. What's the difference between a trust and a will?
1: Okay. Uh, A will is a document that becomes effective upon the date of death and controls what happens to your assets and your liabilities. A trust is a document that you set up that is effective or usually is effective while you are still alive. It can hold assets. It can handle all your business affairs. Uh, If you have assets that maybe your family decides that they, the family members don't want to maintain the assets or, or invest and figure out, Uh, what to invest in and how to pay all the bills. And they may go to a trust company or to a bank and say, hey, my parents have all this money or whatever amount of money it is. And they ask the bank to handle the estate while the parent, they're still alive, they're still alive. And they normally won't do that unless the assets are put into a trust because it just eases uh, the process of taking care of the assets. But trusts are operative while you're alive. They can still be operative after you die because you can make provisions in them for what happens after you're passing.
0: So would, would a trust include a will or they're separate? They're, they're, they're two totally, different documents, so totally a, separate So documents. A will takes place when you pass. Correct. And a trust uh, is in effect while you're alive, and there could be instructions in there that upon you passing, this is what to do with the assets or this is how to handle and, whatever. And a lot
1: it. of people like trust because... A trust is handled back in the office, back at the kitchen table, outside the courtroom. A will goes into the courtroom. Anything that goes into the courtroom is made public. And you have to file an inventory, so you have to list the assets and liabilities. With a trust, if you put everything into a trust, or a goodly amount, you don't have to put everything, but say a goodly amount of your assets, it's all handled behind closed doors with whatever the instructions are in the trust of what's going to happen with those assets at your death.
0: I was trying to think of the movie, but I know there's movies out there where, where, you know, 10, 15, 20 people are in an attorney's office and they open the envelope. They and they read say, the will. And they open it and they say, <laughs> you get nothing and you get a million dollars and you've been a bad third cousin and you get the, you know, the manure from the, from the exactly. farm or whatever. So that would be more of a trust type situation. Well, no, um, that
1: would be probably more of a, well, it could be either way. Like, it could like be if either it's way. in the
0: attorney's office, right?
1: That, and that, that's the, the the famous reading of the will and yeah. I love it because there was this little line that lawyers will put in all the time and I leave my third child nothing and they know the reason why. Yeah. And I go, "Why? Why me? Why did I get cut out?" Right. And that's a classic line that we see in these documents all the time. And
0: that could be in a will or in a trust. Either way. Okay, so a trust yeah. is more for for when you're when you're here and you're active, you're alive, you're doing things.
1: And and you're moving everything in for management purposes or because you want everything kept private and you don't want your assets over in the open courtroom where the newspaper or someone can go in and take a look and see what you really had
0: got it okay so i need at least a will i know that yes and if i want all of my stuff aired out to the public i'm going to keep the will but if i want to keep it more private then i'm going to have a trust set up probably Right? probably. If I have a million dollars or not, depending on, on my will, or not on my will, that's a funny play on words, on what my decision is, I may want to Correct. put a trust together. Right. If somebody dies without a will or a trust, and they've got kids and grandkids and nieces and nephews that want, especially since
1: we're a real estate-based podcast, they want the house. What happens then? Well, first thing, we're, now we're in the intestate Situation Died without a will. The laws of the state of Texas, intestate secession, take over. The court has to do an airship proceeding, and the airship proceeding is normally someone who's been left behind is the applicant, and they want to get the estate settled up. There's a house. Uh, and so they go to the court, and they start this airship proceeding. The court will then appoint an attorney ad litem, And the attorney ad litem is appointed by the court to figure out who are the rightful heirs. So So, define ad
0: litem. So so I don't look like I'm...
1: (laughs) This attorney is appointed by the court. Now, even though they're actually appointed by the court, the estate will pay for the ad litem. And the ad litem, we're talking Latin here, comes in and they determine, did they leave a spouse? Did they leave children? Did they leave children who the other parent of the child is the person that they were married to or is it someone that they were not married to at the time of death? And that changes everything. And with all the divorces that we have, we have these mixed families. I will tell you that if you have had children from a prior relationship, be it marriage or not, but a prior relationship, that relationship ends and then you marry someone else and you may or may not have children with the the second person that you have the relationship with and you die intestate, that partner that you leave behind at death is really, really, really gonna be in a bind. And I actually have a chart. I should have brought my chart today that could show you how uh, difficult the situation becomes. Quite often, the home actually ends up going to other people, but the surviving spouse in Texas has a homestead right. So they get to live in the house until they die or they abandon it. So then who pays the mortgage? Who pays the taxes? Who pays the insurance? Who pays for the yard? Who pays for the roof? Who pays, 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 pays? And that becomes a serious bone of contention.
0: Sure, because technically that spouse
1: the surviving spouse
0: the surviving spouse doesn't there's no will in place there's no will in place so it's going to go to the kids could it i could. mean it
1: depends on the breakdown right it, it, so
0: so if let's just make a hypothetical dad dies mm-hmm. his second wife is living in the house mm-hmm. and because she's homesteaded, they can't just come in and say, get out. Well, they can never get her out. Right. That's her home. She that's can stay home. there for the rest of her life.
1: Right. Until she elects to abandon it or she dies and abandons it by death.
0: And just like you said, what a circus that could be because she's like, well, I don't own the house, so I'm not paying the property tax. and well, I'm, I'm not going to maintain it.
1: Some, there, there's there's some rules there about what she is supposed to pay. Right. And that's fine and dandy. But what about if she doesn't have the money? Right. And so are the kids gonna let it go for taxes or let it go for this reason or that reason? Do the kids wanna let the house just get completely run down to where by the time they get it, it is in such dilapidated condition that it's lost so much of its value? I mean, these are really, really serious problems that come up that if they had just written a will.
0: I've seen this happen in a lot of families. Someone passes away and it's like ants. They come out of nowhere and you go, I never knew who this person was alive. Yes. Right. So let's just let's let's simplify this. That uh, the owners of a house pass, and there's Mom no will. Mom and Dad. Okay. Whenever they pass, Dad dies first. Mom passes second, and um, now it's going to go through probate. Is what we use in real estate all the time. How long, on average, can you expect that to sit in probate?
1: Not unusual for six months. I've seen it go 10, 12 years. Oh my gosh. But you, 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 you missed one. You bring up a very interesting uh, question. Okay,
0: good. I'm all about interesting say, questions. Mo- mom
1: and dad are married, okay. right? So we have mom and we have dad. And let's, for the discussion today, let's let mom die first. Okay. Because you always say dad dies first, but that's not necessarily true. Okay. Ah, uh, mom dies first. Well, she. everybody's standing around saying, well, dad gets everything. Well, okay. But let's say mom had a whip. But you don't probate the will. So 20 years goes along, and now dad dies. So now we've got the house. Who owns the house?
0: I have no idea.
1: We never settled up mom's estate. So half of the house is sitting over here in mom's estate, and half of the house is in dad's estate. So now we have to go back and settle up mom's estate. But your will is only good until the, aniver- the fourth anniversary of the date of your death. If you don't probate that will within four years after the person dies, it's no good. It goes in the trash. So now you have to go do an airship proceeding. But All these years have passed, and again, our problem in the airships so often, we can't find two disinterested or more witnesses who can trace the history of mom who died. And mom maybe had a will. But But they waited. Dad gets everything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not under the law, (laughs) especially with real estate.
0: So someone passes and they have a will. The thing is, probate it right away. Probate
1: it. Get it done.
0: Now that process could take just a few months, right? Because there's a will, a few months, and you just have a survivor that has to say.
1: Okay, and yeah. nobody's fighting, and there's no argument, we're in just kind of going through the motions. In our perfect world our of perfect love and world.
0: harmony, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> Especially when it comes to real estate, and it comes to investments, and it comes to money or anything of value. You'd yeah. be
1: surprised. They do come out of the woodwork. Like, you know, I, I have one right now. I'll tell you right now. I have one right now. This man got a divorce. He had three children. As part of the divorce, his wife absolutely demanded that he give up his parental rights. And finally, after a horrible divorce and a lot of fighting, he just threw up his hands and he goes, okay, fine. So his parental rights to the three kids 25 years ago or 30 years ago were terminated. Never saw the three kids, never saw them. And he goes along and he gets married again and life is good. And then he dies in COVID. He just overnight, within like three days, he had passed away. Those three girls surfaced so fast. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and now we had a real problem.
0: Sure. And yeah. it, and it, and you said how long he hadn't seen these girls in how long? Oh, like 30 years. Like 30 years. Mm-hmm. And obviously and, and that's that is the craziest thing to me, but I know unfortunately it's it's human nature when someone passes instead of mourning the loss or along with a lot of people go what's in it for me? I mean, exactly. I've seen people fight over a diary. I've seen people fight um, argue over who's getting the the Kmart silverware that so-and-so but had. But Mama
1: always said it was going to be mine.
0: Exactly. And I didn't mean to undermine <laughs> Kmart, but it's not like it's a huge asset. like a.
1: No, it's, it's not like a really financially valuable, but for some reason yeah. somebody wants that clock because when I was a little girl, I used to sit and listen to that clock. I mean, you know, yeah. and, and that can start the fight. I mean, just terrible, terrible fights, really unfortunate fights. Uh, you oh, would, let me give you a quick example. Yeah, the kind sure. of stuff that happens because war stories are always the best. Mom has died years ago, and grandma, grandpa dies, and he dies kind of subtly. Problem with a surgery, so no one was really expecting him. Actually, he was getting ready to get married again. <laughs> grandpa, who was like eighty years old, anyway, he passes away, and it's it's really a shock because. I mean, he was in really good health, but he had this complication. So he dies. So they plan the funeral, and they're at the funeral home and waiting and waiting and waiting, and the daughter doesn't show up. And they're just like, where is she? And they're calling, calling, can't find her on the telephone. Finally, she arrives, and she's all teary-eyed because, you know, Daddy had died and da 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 So finally, you know, 30 minutes or an hour late, they finally have the funeral. So the funeral ends, and it's decided everybody's going to go back to Grandpa's house and kind of talk things over, except that when they walk in, the house is totally empty.
0: It's like it's... There is not
1: one item in that house. And she had been over with the movers, and that's why she was late getting to the funeral, because she was with the movers getting everything emptied out, because Mommy and Daddy always said everything was going to be mine.
0: Oh, so it's not like she had a flat tire and she was late to the funeral. She had been at the house with movers. Those are probably tears of joy. (laughs) My gosh.
1: But that that kind of stuff happens all the time.
0: Well that just I mean, I just have a lot going on in my head right now, like what I need to do. I need to have a will. You need to have a will. Even if I just have twenty bucks. I don't want anyone fighting over my twenty bucks.
1: And one of the things that we do with wills and Texas is actually very gracious about this. You are allowed to leave a memorandum So you can have this will that disposes of big things. And then we put a notation into the will. I also ask the executor of my estate to honor any handwritten memorandum that I leave behind. And I always give my clients a sample, and I have big letters. This must be handwritten on a clear sheet of paper, not even lined paper, just a sheet of paper. And you actually can sit down and you can write out personal items like, We're Texas. My God, I want my sons to get my guns. Right. And the the women. Well, I want my daughters to get my jewelry. And you can write all that out. And what I have them do, I say, don't talk about the picture hanging over the fireplace because things get moved around. Don't talk about my whatever ring. You know, take a picture of it. Get yourself a three-ring binder. Write out. In, in longhand, and I give, them, I give my clients a sample language that really needs to be in there, and then take a picture and just number the pictures and put them there and say, it's this rug, it's this picture I'm talking about, it's this piece of jewelry I'm talking about, it's this gun I'm talking about, and be very, very specific because I cannot tell you the fighting that starts.
0: I, well, I can imagine. The
1: picture got moved, and there's some little nothing over the fireplace. Yeah. No, where's the, you know, the Monet that was yeah. hanging there?
0: How long would it take to put something like this together? A couple weeks?
1: I would say a couple weeks. I have to get from them and always ask them for the exact names that you use. I I ask for their addresses and phone numbers because we use those inside these various documents really for identification purposes so that we know that we're talking to the correct Jane Doe or John Doe. Uh, It doesn't mean that they have to be living there at the time of death, but it's for identification to know that we're talking to the right person. So as soon as that, they get that information to me and as soon as they can decide what they want. Right. <laughs> to be interesting. That sometimes <laughs> takes a couple visits. Uh, then usually within a couple of weeks you, you can have all
0: your documents done. And then have the documents done, give them back to you and have you go file them or you can go file them yourself the at will. the courthouse. Yeah, the, the, will. Will, the will, right? The will <laughs> itself and go file it and be right. done. And it's done. And sleep. And forget right. about it.
1: And forget about it.
0: Now, how do, you, how, do you, um, how do you change the will? You have to write a new will? You have
1: to write a new will. Okay. And a lot of people think, I can take the old will, and I'll just write in the margin and initial it or something. Anything that's written on the sheet of paper, they just throw it out. The court will just ignore it. You can't change the document.
0: So, realistically, bottom line is, somebody needs to have a will, or... They need to have a trust set up or an estate set up or they might need a living trust. We didn't even talk about a living trust, right, really. I mean, you probably did, but we didn't title it. No. Um, uh, What else do you want to share while we have a few more minutes?
1: Well, while I do a packet, and it includes the will, which is not operative until you die. But while you're still alive, you can have a medical power of attorney, and the medical power of attorney is I name, in, in, in order, one, two, three, four, maybe two, three, four people. <clears throat> and, and I will tell you how this works. <clears throat> Excuse me. You, you have this uh, medical power of attorney. You list people who will make medical decisions for you if you cannot make them. In other words, you're in the operating room, and they need to give you uh, a blood transfusion. They come out, or they get on the phone, and actually they go down the list to the first person they can find. They don't necessarily go. I'm waiting. Not I'm, not, I'm not, not waiting for a return <laughs> phone call from number one. Right. <laughs> you know, they'll just start going. The, and I'm talking about the physicians or somebody. If it's an emergency, they're just going to get the first person they find. And say, hey, is it okay if I give them blood transfusion? So that operates while you're still alive. When you're unable to make your own medical decisions, if you're able to make them, you still make your own medical decisions. Then I always do a statutory durable power of attorney. This is what I call the money power of attorney. And this one is actually operative, is why you're alive, but also it doesn't necessarily have to be only when you're unable to make your own decisions. But one of the reasons that we need that is sometimes, and, and the durable power of attorney sort of has an on-off switch, it can be fixed to where, let's say you have a medical problem and you're unable to take care of things, but you didn't die and you're gonna get over it, and you're gonna come back. Well, in the meantime, while you're incapacitated, the person that you've listed, and normally we list one, two, three, four, however many you want, are te- they're taking care of all your business affairs. They maybe get the newspaper turned off to your house. They make sure the water bill gets paid. They make sure the electrical bill gets paid. They make sure your mortgage gets paid, and they have the power to do that to keep things going. Uh, if you become incapacitated to the point to where you're not going to return, then they figure out how to take care of everything long term. And then we also do a guardianship designation, which is sometimes can be very interesting. There are actually two guardianships. One is guardianship of the person and one is guardianship of the money. And the guardianship of the person, you can name who you want to make the decisions. Are you going to stay at home? Are you going to be Put into a facility to be taken care of. How many times are you going to get your hair washed every month or every week? How many times are you going to be allowed to have? This can be uh,
0: super detailed.
1: Oh, this person can decide what happens to your body. It's guardian of the, the of the person of the yeah. actual body. The other one is guardian of the money, and you can name who you want to have be guardian of the money of your financial affairs. Sometimes you want the same person. Sometimes you don't. And believe me. Mom may want some two people different than the two people that Dad want. And if you're coming from a mixed marriage, the one may want their children from their first marriage to be taking care of everything, or the other spouse may want their children to be taking care of everything. That's what I was saying. Once they decide what it's going to be, I can get those documents drafted pretty quickly but a lot of times they go home, and they have some pretty deep discussions about, I'm sure. Why do I want <laughs> your son or daughter from your first marriage to be handling me and my affairs? Right. I mean, and these this can get a little testy on occasion. Yeah. Uh, we we I can give them a do not resuscitate. Uh, it's an offering, whether or not they want to be resuscitated. I definitely give them uh, a... Uh, a notice to physicians of when they want to be, quote, unplugged and turned off from life-sustaining support. And they can make the decision that they want to have it when it's finally determined that they either have an illness or a a mental issue that they're not going to come back from, or do they want to be held indefinitely on equipment. I will tell you, I've never had one side (laughs) choose keep me hooked up indefinitely. I've never had one person choose that. Most people are like, hey, and you know, once it's determined, three physicians determine that I'm not going to come back from this, go ahead and unplug me. And remember, at this point, you're not able to make that decision because if you could make the decision, you would be making it. You're in a state of a situation to where you can no longer make that decision.
0: And you want to make sure that whoever you're putting in charge of these documents is your friend. (laughs) <laughs> right. <laughs> it's someone hopefully, that likes you.
1: <laughs> hopefully you have someone that you truly, truly trust. Yeah, And and that's hard because a lot of people don't.
0: Well, and I can imagine, like, there might be husband and wives that they don't want to put their... The husband doesn't want to put their wife in that position. You know, the wife, the wife might say, leave him on that life support for the next 20 years because I love my husband. Mm-hmm. And the husband might say, I, I understand how much you love me and I love you too, but I don't want to laying a bed on a machine for more than X period of time. You have to grant that permission to somebody else.
1: Well, basically you're granting it to the physicians. The doctors make the decision on those. We used to be, uh, we put that burden on a child or on a spouse to decide to unplug them. Yeah. And we don't do that now. We put that onto the physicians. I will tell you that they don't want to get sued, the physicians or the hospitals. <laughs> so if we have someone really arguing against it, they normally will hold off and, and kind of let the shock of the situation maybe kind of blow over just a sure. little bit and let, let the family be taught. Let bit. it cool off. Yep. Let the family talk to this one person who just cannot unplug mama Yeah. or daddy.
0: Yep. And this is good yeah. stuff. I've learned so much. Yeah. I appreciate you. I appreciate your time. And, um, if anyone has any questions for Christy about wills, her contact information is in the description on the video here on YouTube. Um, or if you can't seem to find it, reach out to me. I will uh, directly connect you to Christy for any of your estate, wills, anything that needs to be done. Real estate. Real estate. Anything Real estate to do too. with that. So I appreciate you. I uh, appreciate you. your time. Let's definitely do this again.
1: Absolutely. Thank you.
0: Thank you.